welcome to this very special Sunday edition of the 100th episode of our show that's been on for the currently four seasons. I'm your host, Jason Acanio, and this is The Legacy of Queens on this Sunday, February 18th, 2024, and This is a milestone for our show. We never thought we could ever make it to 100 episodes, but we finally did, even though we weren't on all of the time, most of the consecutive weeks. We probably would have hit our 100th episode sometime in the second or third season if we really kept going, maybe after two years of consistently being on Sunday nights. But with summer breaks, sometimes not feeling good and not able to do a show, we still were able to come out with four great seasons so far. You have done your part by becoming a supportive member of Spotify. And if you haven't yet been part of the new family on YouTube, your opportunity is calling for you to hit that subscribe button, the likes, and to continually give us great support in day in and day out. Tonight, we have a tribute to a gentleman who we lost too early in life, but still a great actor, comedian, singer, and dancer. His performances featured physical comedy, idiosyncratic pantomimes, and rapid-fire novelty songs. He starred in 17 films, notably Wonder Man, The Kid from Brooklyn, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, The Inspector General, Hans Christian Andersen, White Christmas, and The Court Jester. His films were popular especially for his performances of patter songs and favorites such as Inchworm and The Ugly Duckling. And he was the first ambassador at large of UNICEF in 1954 and received the French Legion of Honor in 1986 for his years of work with the organization. Who are we talking about? Well, we passed at the age of 76 on March 3rd, so his... His uh, date of death will be coming up in two weeks. Born on January 18th back in 1911. So he had a birthday (laughs) some 40 years ago. But we lost him too soon. I'm talking about David Daniel Kaminsky, otherwise known as Danny Kay. And he is our Legacy of Queens tribute tonight on the Legacy of Queens. I'm your host, Jason Acanio. Good evening again. On this February 18, 2024, this is episode number 100, ready to go for the legacy of Queens. David Daniel Kaminsky was born in Brooklyn, New York on January 18, 1911, though he would later say 1913, to Ukrainian Jewish immigrants Jacob and Clara Kaminsky. Now, he was the youngest of three sons, His parents and older brothers, Larry and Mac, left 
Yeterlinzov, Yeterlinzov, then part of Novorossa, or the Russian Empire, two years before Danny's birth, and he was their only son born in the United States. He attended public school 149 in East New York, Brooklyn, eventually renamed to honor him, where he began entertaining his classmates with songs and jokes. He attended Thomas Jefferson High School in Brooklyn, but he did not graduate. His mother died when he was in his early teens, and not long after, Kay and his friend Lewis ran away to Florida. Kay sang while Lewis played the guitar, and the pair ecked out a living for a while. And when Kay returned to New York, his father did not pressure him to return to school or work, giving his son the chance to mature and discover his abilities. Kay said that as a young boy, he had wanted to be a surgeon, but the family could not afford medical education. After leaving school, he held a succession of jobs as a soda jerk, auto insurance investigator, and office clerk. Most ended with him being fired. He lost the insurance job when he made an error that cost the insurance company $40,000, now about $600,000 in, in 2019 adjusted in for inflation. A dentist who hired him to look after his office over lunch and run errands fired him when he found Kay using his dental drill on the office woodwork. <laughs> in 1939, Kay met the same dentist's daughter, Sylvia Fine, at an audition, and in 1940, they eloped. He learned his trade in his teenage years in the Catskills as a tumbler MC in the Borscht Belt. Kay's first break came in 1933 when he joined the Three Terpurcians, a vaudeville dance act. They opened in Utica, New York, and where he used the stage name Danny Kay for the first time. The act toured in the United States and in Asia with the show La Vie Paris. The troupe left for a six-month tour of Asia on February 8, 1934. And during its stay in Osaka, Japan, a typhoon hit the city. The troops' hotel suffered heavy damage. The strong wind hurled a piece of the hotel's cornice into Kay's room, and by evening's performance time, the city was in the grip of the storm. With no power, the audience became restless and nervous. To calm them, Kay went on stage holding a flashlight to illuminate his face and sang every song he could recall as loudly as he was able. The experience of trying to entertain audiences who did not speak English inspired him to do the pantomime gestures, songs, and facial expressions that eventually made his reputation. Sometimes he found them necessary when ordering a meal. Kay's daughter, Dana, relates a story her father told about being in a restaurant in China and trying to order chicken. Well, Kay flapped his arms and clucked, giving the waiter an imitation of a chicken. The waiter nodded an understanding, bringing Kay two eggs. <laughs> His interest in cooking began on the tour. Jobs were in short supply when Kay returned to the United States, and he struggled for bookings. One job was working in the burlesque review with fan dancer Sally Rand. After the dancer dropped a fan while trying to chase away a fly, Kay was hired to watch the fans, so they were always held in front of her. In 1937, Kay's film debut came from a contract with the New York-based Educational Pictures for a series of two real comedies. He usually played a manic, dark-haired, fast-talking Russian in these low-budget shorts, opposite young hopefuls June Allison and Imogene Coca. The Kay series ended abruptly when the studio shut down in 1938, and he was working in the Catskills in 1937, 
under the name Danny Colbin. His next venture was a short-lived Broadway show with Sylvia Fine as the pianist, lyricist, and composer. The Straw Hat Review opened on September 29, 1939 and closed after 10 weeks, but critics noticed Kay's work. The reviews brought an offer for both Kay and his bride Sylvia to work at La Martinique, a New York City nightclub. Kay performed with Sylvia as his accompanist, accompanying pianist at La Martinique. Playwright Moss Hart saw Danny perform, and that led to Hart's casting him in his Broadway comedy, Lady in the Dark. In 1941, at age 30, Kay scored a triumph playing Russell Paxton in Lady in the Dark, starring Gertrude Lawrence. His show-stopping number was Tchaikovsky and Other Russians by Kurt Weill and Ira Gershwin, in which he sang the names of a string of Russian composers at breakneck speed, seemingly without taking a breath. In the next Broadway season, he was the star of a show about a young man who was drafted called Let's Face It. His feature film debut was in producer Samuel Goodwin's Technicolor 1944 comedy Up in Arms, a remake of Goldwyn's Eddie Cantor comedy Whoopee in 1930. Rival producer Robert M. Savini cashed in by compiling three of Kay's educational pictures, Shorts, into a patchwork featured entitled The Birth of a Star in 1945. Studio mogul Goldwyn wanted Kay's prominent nose fixed to look less Jewish, but Kay refused. But he did allow his red hair to be dyed blonde, apparently because it looked better in Technicolor. Kay starred in a radio program, The Danny Kay Show, on CBS from 45 to 46. The program's popularity rose quickly, and within a year, he tied with Jimmy Durante for fifth place in the Radio Daily popularity poll. Kay was asked to participate in a USO tour following the end of World War II. It meant that he would be absent from his radio show for nearly two months at the beginning of the season, and Kay's friends filled in with a different guest host each week. Kay was the first American actor to visit post-war Tokyo. He had toured there some ten years before with the vaudeville troupe, and when Kay asked to be released from his radio contract in mid-1946, he agreed not to accept a regular radio show for one year and only limited guest appearances on other radio programs. Many of the show's episodes survive today. Notable for Kay's opening signature patter, Gitta gotta giddy giddy diddy up giddy up tabe ride de biddle de rupa de rep fasan skittle de wuda fiddle de wapa reap. Wow. Kay starred in several movies with actress Virginia Mayo in the 40s and is known for films such as The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, The Inspector General, On the Riviera, co starring Gene Tierney. Knock on Wood, White Christmas, The Court Jester, and Merry Andrew. He also starred in two pictures based on biographies, Hans Christian Andersen, The Danish Storyteller, and The Five Pennies about jazz pioneer Red Nichols. His wife, writer-lyricist Sylvia Fine, wrote many tongue-twisting songs for which Kay became famous. She was also an associate film producer, and some of Kay's films include the theme of doubles, Two people who look identical, both Danny Kay being mistaken for each other to comic effect. While his wife wrote most of Kay's material, he created much of it himself, often while performing. Kay had one character he never shared with the public, Kaplan, the owner of a rubber company. He came to life only for family and friends. His wife, Sylvia, described the Kaplan character. He doesn't have any first name, 
Even his wife calls him just Kaplan. He's an illiterate, pompous character who advertises his philanthropies. Jack Benny or Dora Sacre might say, Kaplan, who do you hate? Why do you hate unions so? If Danny feels like doing Kaplan that night, he might be off on Kaplan for two hours. When he appeared at the London Palladium in 1948, he roused the royal family to laughter and was the first of many performers who had turned British variety into an American preserve. Life described his reception as worshipful hysteria and noted that the royal family for the first time left the royal box to watch from the front row of the orchestra. He related that he had no idea of the familiar connections with the when the Marquise, the Marquess of Milford Haven introduced himself after a show and said he would like his cousins to see Kay perform. Kay stated he never returned to the venue because no way existed to recreate the magic of that time. Kay had an invitation to return to London for a Royal Variety performance in November of the same year. When the invitation arrived, Kay was busy with the Inspector General, which had a working title of Happy Times. Warner Brothers stopped the film to allow their star to attend. When his DECA label mates, the Andrew Sisters, began their engagement at the London Palladium on the heels of Kay's successful 1948 appearance there, the trio was well received and David Lewin of the Daily Express declared the audience gave the Andrew Sisters the Danny Kay roar. He hosted the 24th Academy Awards in 1942. I'm sorry, 1952. The program was broadcast on radio. Telecast of the Oscar ceremony came later. During the 50s, he visited Australia where he played Buttons in a production of Cinderella in Sydney. In 1953, he started a production company, Dana, Deanna, or Dana Pictures, named for his daughter. Knock on Wood was the first film produced by his firm. The firm expanded into television in 1960 under the name Belmont Television. Kay entered television in 1956 on the CBS show See It Now with Edward R. Murrow. More Morrow. The Secret Life of Danny Kay combined his 50,000-mile 10-country tour as UNICEF ambassador with music and humor. His first solo effort was in 1960 with a one-hour special produced by Sylvia and sponsored by General Motors with similar specials in 61 and 62. He hosted the Danny Kaye Show from 63 to 67. It won four Emmy Awards and a Peabody Award. His last cinematic starring role came in 1963's The Man from the Diners Club. Beginning in 1964, he acted as television host to the CBS telecast of MGM's The Wizard of Oz. Kay did a stint as a What's My Line mystery guest on the Saturday night CBS TV quiz program. Kay was a later guest panelist on that show. He also appeared on the interview program Here's Hollywood. In the 70s, he tore a ligament in his leg during the run of the Richard Rogers musical 2 by 2 but went on with the show appearing with his leg in a cast and cavorting on stage in a wheelchair. He had done much the same on his television show in 64 when his right leg and foot were burned from a cooking accident. Camera shots were planned, so television views did not see Kay in his wheelchair. In 1976, he played Geppetto in a television musical adaptation of Pinocchio with Sandy Duncan in the title role. 
Kay portrayed Captain Hook aside opposite Mia Farrow in a musical version of Peter Pan featuring songs by Anthony Newley and Leslie Brikus. He later guest started episodes of The Muppet Show and The Cosby Show and in the 1980s, the revival The Twilight Zone. In many films, as well as on stage, he proved to be an able actor, singer, dancer, and comedian. He showed a serious side as ambassador for UNICEF and in his dramatic role in the memorable TV film Skokie when he played a Holocaust survivor. Before his death in 1987, Kay conducted an orchestra during our comical series of concerts organized for UCF for fundraising. He received two Academy Awards, an Academy Honorary Award in 55, and the Gene Herschelt Humanitarian Award in 1982. That year, he received the Screen Actors Guild Annual Award. In 1980, he hosted and sang in the 25th anniversary of Disneyland Celebration and hosted the opening celebration for Epcot in 1982. Epcot Center at the time. Both were aired on primetime television in the U.S. And while Kay claimed he could not read a shred of music, he was said to have perfect pitch. A flamboyant performer with his own distinctive style, easily adapting from outrageous novelty songs to lender ballads, including, to, according to critics, Jason and Key. In 1945, Kay began hosting his own CBS radio program, in which he performed a number of hit songs, including Diana and Minnie the Moocher. In 1947, Kay teamed up with the Andrews sisters, Patty, Maxine, and Laverne, on Decca Records, producing the number three Billboard hit, Civilization, Bongo, Bongo, Bongo. The success of the pairing prompted both acts to record through 1950, producing such rhythmically comical fare as the Woody Woodpecker song, based on the bird from the Walter Lance cartoons, and a billboard hit for the quartet, Put Him in a Box, Tie Him with a Ribbon, and Throw Him in the Deep Blue Sea. The big brass band from Brazil, It's a Quiet Town in Crossbone, Crossbone County, Amelia Cordelia McHugh, McHugh? Chingarasarasara, a duet by Danny and Patty Andrews of Orange Colored Sky. The acts teamed for two Yuletide favorites, a frantic harmonic rendition of A Merry Christmas at Grandmother's House over the river and through the woods, and a duet by Danny and Patty, All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. His debut album, Columbia Presents Danny Kay had been released in 1942 by Columbia Records with songs performed to the accompaniment of Maurice Abervanel and Johnny Green. The album was reissued as a Columbia LP in 1949 and is described by the critic Bruce Eder as a bit tamer than some of the stuff that Kay hit with later in the 40s and in the 50s and for reasons best understood by the public doesn't attract nearly the interest of his kids' records and overt comedy routines. In 1950, a DECA single, I've Got a Lonely Bunch of Coconuts, was released and became another chart hit for him. His second Columbia LP album, Danny Kay Entertains, 1953 Columbia, included five songs recorded in 1941 from his Broadway musical, Lady in the Dark, most notably Tchaikovsky and Other Russians. Following the success of the film's Han... Christian, Hans Christian Andersen, two of its songs written by Frank Loesser, sung by Kay, Thumbelina, and Wonderful Copenhagen, reached the charts. 
The former title became a minor U.S. hit, and the latter reached number five on the U.K. singles chart. In 1953, Decca released Danny at the Palace, a live recording made at the New York Palace Theater, followed by Knock on Wood in 54, a set of songs from the movie of the same name sung by Kay, accompanied by Victor Young and his singing strings. In 1956, Kay signed a three-year recording contract with Capitol Records, which re- <laughs> released his single Love Me Do in December of that year. The B-side, See You, See You, Bella, uh, with, uh, with lyrics written by Sylvia Fine, was inspired by an episode in Rome when Kay, on a mission for UNICEF, befriended... I'm sorry, befriended a seven-year-old child with polio in a children's hospital who sang this song for him in Italian. We're going to take a little break and pause right there. And when we come back in just a minute, we'll pick up where we left off. Right after these very important messages from a word from our sponsor. Welcome back to The Legacy of Queens. Episode number 100 picks up where we left off with Danny Kaye. We're in right now his career, uh, 1958. Saul Chaplin and Johnny Mercer wrote songs for Mary Andrew, a film starring Kaye as a British teacher attracted to the circus. The score added up to six numbers, all sung by Kaye. Conductor Bill May's 1950 composition Bozo's Circus Band, renamed Music of the Big Top Circus Band, was deposited on the second side of the Mary Andrew soundtrack, released in 1958. A year later, another soundtrack came out, The Five Pennies, in which Kaye starred as 1920s cornet player Red Nicholas, featuring Louis Armstrong. In the 60s and 70s, Kay regularly conducted world-famous orchestras, although he had to learn the scores by ear. Kay's style, even if accompanied by unpredictable antics, he once traded the baton for a fly swatter to conduct the flight of the bumblebee, was praised by the likes of Zubin Mehta, who once stated that Kay has a very efficient conducting style. His ability with an orchestra was mentioned by Dimitri Metropolis, then conductor of the New York Philharmonic Orchestra. After Kay's appearance, Metropolis remarked, Here is a man who is not musically trained, who cannot even read music, and he gets more out of my orchestra than I have. 
Kay was invited to conduct symphonies as charity fundraisers and was the conductor of the All-City Marching Band at the season opener of the Los Angeles Dodgers in 1984. Over his career, he raised over $5 million in support of musician pension funds. He was sufficiently popular to inspire imitations. The 1946 Warner Brothers cartoon book review had a sequence with Daffy Duck wearing a blonde wig and impersonating Kay. Satrical songwriter Tom Lehrer's 1953 song Lobachevsky was based on a number that Kay had done about the Russian director Konstantin Stansovsky with the affected Russian accent. Lehrer mentioned Kay in an opening monologue, citing him as an idol since childbirth. Superman creators Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster fashioned a short-lived superhero title, Funny Man, taking inspiration for Kay's persona. In his later years, Kay entertained at home as chef. He specialized in Chinese and Italian cooking. He had a custom-made Chinese restaurant installed at the rear of his house by its alley, then had a kitchen and dining area built around it. The stove that Kay used for his Chinese dishes was fitted with metal rings for the burners to allow the heat to be highly concentrated, and a trough with circulating ice water cooled the area to keep the intense heat tolerable for those who were cooking. He learned at Johnny Can's restaurant in San Francisco and with Cecilia Chang at her Mandarin restaurants in San Francisco Francisco and Los Angeles. He taught Chinese cooking classes at a San Francisco Chinese restaurant in the 70s, the theater and demonstration kitchen under the library at the Hyde Park, New York campus of the Culinary Institute of America is named for him. Kay referred to his kitchen as Ying's Thing. While filming The Mad Woman of Chaliot in France, he phoned home to ask his family if they would like to eat at Ying's Thing that evening. Kay flew home for dinner. Not all of his efforts, efforts in the kitchen went well. After flying to San Francisco for a recipe for sourdough bread, he came home and spent hours preparing loaves. When his daughter asked about the bread, Kay hit the bread on the kitchen table. His bread was hard enough to chip it. Kay approached the kitchen work with enthusiasm, making sausages and other foods needed for his cuisine. Though it is often claimed that he was the Melior Ouvrier de France, or the MOF, This is not true as the MOF is restricted to French professionals. Rather, he had cooked for several famous French chefs at his house, all of them MOFs, and they signed an honorary Melior Ouvrier de France diploma for him. Kay became an aviation enthusiast and pilot. His interest was sparked by his longtime friend, choreographer Michael Kidd, who at the time had recently earned his private pilot's license. He was also an enthusiastic and accomplished golfer, but reduced golf activities in favor of flying and started training for his license in 1959. The first plane Kay owned was a Piper Aztec. After this, he became qualified for many types of aircraft, from single-engine light aircraft to multi-engine jets. He received a type rating in a Learjet, and he was named vice president of the Learjet company by Bill Lear as an honorary title. He had no line responsibility at the company. He supported many flying projects. In 1968, he was honorary chairman of the Las Vegas International Exposition of Flight, a show that he used many facets of the city's entertainment industry while presenting an air show. The operations show chairman was well-known aviation figure Lynn Garrison. 
Kay flew a Learjet to 65 cities in five days on a mission to help UNICEF. In 1958, Kay and his partner Lester Smith formed Kay Smith Enterprises. The company owned a chain of radio stations, mostly in the Pacific Northwest. Other Kay Smith div divisions included a concert pr promotion company, a video production company, and a recording studio. A lifelong Dodgers fan, Kay recorded a song called the D-O-D-G-E-R-S song, Oh Really? No, Oh Mally describing a fictitious encounter with the San Francisco Giants, a hit during the real-life pennant chase of 1962. That song is included on Baseball's Greatest Hits compact discs. A good friend of Leo Durocher's, he often traveled with the team, and he also possessed an encyclopedic, uh, encyclopedic knowledge of the game and was an accomplished second baseman. Kay and his business partner, Lester Smith, also led an investment group which was awarded the American League's 13th franchise, which became the Seattle Mariners, for $6.2 million on February 7, 1976. The ownership percentages of Kay, Smith, and two other remaining original investors were reduced to 5% each when George Argyros purchased 80% of the Mariners for $10.4 million on January 30, 1981. Kay sold all of his business interests to the Smith family in 1985. He was also an honorary member of the American College of Surgeons and the American Academy of Pediatrics. Working alongside UNICEF's Halloween fundraiser founder, Ward Simon Kimball Jr., the actor educated the public on impoverished children in deplorable living conditions overseas and assisted in the distribution of donated goods and funds. His involvement with UNICEF came about in an unusual way. Kay was flying home from London in 1949 when one of the plane's four engines lost its propeller and caught fire. The problem was initially thought serious enough that it might make an ocean landing. Life jackets and life rafts were made ready. The plane was able to head back over 500 miles to land at Shannon Airport in Ireland. On the way back to Shannon, the head of the Children's Fund, Maurice Pat had the seat next to Danny Kay and spoke at length about the need for recognition for the fund. The discussion continued on the flight from Shannon to New York, and it was the beginning of the actor's long association with UNICEF. For all of his success as a performer, his greatest legacy remains his tireless humanitarian work. So close were his ties to the United Nations International Children's Fund Emergency Fund, or UNICEF, that when the organization received the Nobel Peace Prize, Kay was tapped to accept it, according to music critic Jason and Kenny. Kay and Sylvia Fine grew up in Brooklyn, living a few blocks apart, but they did not meet until they were on an off-Broadway show in 1939. Sylvia was an audition pianist. Sylvia discovered that Danny had worked for her father Samuel Fine, a dentist, and Kay, working in Florida, proposed on the telephone... They were married in Fort Lauderdale on January 3, 1940. They were married for life except for a separation in 47 and in 1948 when Kay was involved with Eve Arden. The couple's only child, daughter Dana, or Dania, was born on December 17, 1946. And when she was very young, Dana did not, feel, did not like seeing her father perform because she did not understand that people were supposed to laugh at what he did. Kay said in a 1954 interview, Whatever she wants to be, she will be without interference from her mother nor from me. Deanna grew up to become a journalist. 
Donald Spotto, the author of Lawrence Olivier, HarperCollins, made an unsubstantiated claim that Kay had a 10-year secret affair with Lawrence Olivier. While despite media rumors since that book's publication, no evidence has been published. English journalist Terry Coleman, who spent four years studying Oliver's archive of letters and memorabilia, could not find evidence of such an affair between Kay and Olivier. Coleman observed, I did check it and talked to a number of people. In this mountain of material in the archives, I could not find a hint of an affair with Danny Kay. On January 18, 2013, during a 24-hour salute to Kay on Turner Classic Movies in celebration of what TCM thought was his 100th birthday, Kay's daughter Dana revealed to TCM host Ben Mankiewicz that Kay's stated birth year that Kay's stated birth year of 1913 was incorrect and that he was actually born in 1911. A Democrat, he supported Adelaide Stevenson's campaign during the 1952 presidential election. Kay was the godfather of actress Mary Louise Weller. In 1983, Kay had quadruple bypass heart surgery and contracted hepatitis C from a blood transfusion. He died at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in the early morning hours of March 3, 1987, aged 76, from complications of heart failure, internal bleeding, and hepatitis C. Kay's body was cremated, and his ashes were interred in the foundation of a bench in Kensico Cemetery in Valhalla, New York. His grave is adorned with a bench that contains friezes of a baseball and bat, an aircraft, a piano, a flower pot, musical notes, and a chef's toquet. His name and birth and death dates are inscribed on the toquet, and the United Nations held a memorial tribute to him at its New York headquarters on the evening of October 21, 1987. The Sylvia and Danny Kane Playhouse at Hunter College in New York was opened in 1988 with a million-dollar gift from Sylvia Kay. David Cohen reflects, His legacy has dimmed with the passage of time. His greatest works endure today only as memories in the minds of aging members of his audiences. Much of his TV work has not aged particularly well, Whimsy was of another time. However, Koning sees Kay's film work in a different light. History has smiled on individual pictures, in particular the holiday staple of White Christmas in the Court Jester. The medieval romp has steadily gained a reputation as one of the greatest comedies of all time. And, of course, then there was a whole bunch of honors, awards, and recognition, which we've all went over. And there you have it, friends. Danny... K, great honor, lost him too early at the age of 76, will forever be in our hearts and our prayers. Thank you, David Daniel Kaminsky, Danny K. And that is our 100th episode of The Legacy of Queens for tonight. Thank you so much for a fantastic 100th episode. And we're going to be back, of course, next week. And who are we looking at next week? Well, let's see what we have. Ah, yes. Known professionally, (laughs) she was an American comedian, actress, producer, writer, and television host. She was noted for her blunt, often controversial comedic persona that was heavily self-deprecating and acerbic especially towards celebrities and politicians, delivered in her signature New York accent. She is considered a pioneer of women in comedy. 
She received an Emmy Award and a Grammy Award, as well as a nomination for a Tony. And she started her career in comedy clubs in Greenwich Village alongside her peers George Carlin, Woody Allen, and Richard Pryor. All this, in addition to marketing a line of jewelry and apparel for the QVC, she also had uh, television critic Jack Gould call her quite possibly the most intuitive funny woman alive. Rolling Stone magazine ranked her sixth on its all list of the 50 best stand-up comedies, com- comics of all time. And in October of the same year, she was inducted into the Television Academy Hall of Fame. She is the subject of her own document named, documentary named after her, A Piece of Work, 2010. Who are we looking at? A great female, Joan Alexandra Malinsky, also known professionally as Joan Rivers. From Brooklyn, born June 8, 1933, died September 4th, 2014 at the age of 81. It's a 10-year anniversary. This September would mark the 10 years, and she'd be 91. Well, no, she yeah, she'd be 91 uh, in June, on the 8th of June. So with that, we will look at her great legacy next week on the 101st episode of the Legacy of Queens. I'm Jason Icanio, thanking you for a fantastic show tonight. We hope that you will be with us next week. I know you will be. Remember, of course, to hit that like and subscribe button on the YouTube channel. Subscribe if you haven't yet. And always remember, be honest, be real, and keep a simple, stupid guess. Have a good night. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.